0: Hi, everyone. This is Crystal from Ahara School of Healing, and you're listening to Healing Within Reach podcast. More people than ever are living with anxiety, fear, depression, addiction, and dis and are feeling overwhelmed and helpless with how to heal and support themselves. On this show, I sit down to discuss these topics and bring in simple life strategies to empower you encourage you, and to help you step into your own healing. So welcome to Healing Within Reach with myself, Crystal Connolly, and I'm very excited to also introduce and welcome our special guest today, and her name is Sarah Simons. She is a dear friend of mine, and so Sarah is a mom of three kids, three children, uh, all various ages, and you'll hear more about from her momentarily. She's a mom, she's a wife, she is a nurse, and uh, I think of her as a just a, an ultimate creative being, and um, today we're going to be talking about personal anxiety and collective anxiety and how we've noticed this in ourselves over the span of COVID and then how you're noticing it in, in your work, in your profession, uh, in your family unit and um, friends, you know, how it trickle, trickles out and is being, it being expressed um, and how you're seeing it being expressed. And then, and then we'll also talk about how you are dealing with these in yourself, these felt senses, and then how you've noticed others if you have noticed others and how they're either inspiring you or inspiring hope in, in ways that encourage this sort of foundation out of anxiety, out of COVID fatigue, which is wrapped in anxiety. We'll open, the, open it up to you to tell us about yourself, who you are. And uh, and then we'll we'll dive into personal and collective
1: anxiety. So I'm Sarah. I am a mom of three. I've got a 13 year old boy, a nine year old girl, and a two year old girl. Um, I am a nurse, specifically an emergency room nurse. Um, I've been a nurse since 2018, and um, I used to work at the hospital that took care of the very first COVID patient in the United States. I was there the night that that person came in. I remember it very vividly. I no longer work there. I work at a smaller emergency room now um, that has been a lot better for my mental health, so. Okay, so I'm wondering with, we'll start with your
0: being a mom. How How has your experience been with being a mom of three and also being a mom of three
1: and a little one during COVID? It's been challenging to say the least. Um, some really interesting things just to draw comparisons between the oldest and the youngest is like masks for example. In the beginning um, the kids were like not necessarily resistant but it was just weird you know we didn't wear masks as a culture or society. But for my youngest, Charlotte, that's like all she knows. Mm -hmm. And that's like the memories that she draws from That's She doesn't see people's faces out in public. And it's just been interesting to watch her. She like happily will wear a mask, but I also wonder how much it affects her ability to read people's emotions. Um, because I think children really rely on facial expressions.
0: Her her first, like, really impressionable years are masked.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, and I call her, like, a COVID kid, like, a pandemic kid. She's very, um, I mean, we, in the beginning, were really, really isolated, and I think we're better about it now, but um, she doesn't, necessarily know how to interact with other kids her age very well and then for my older two I think it's just been really challenging because especially in the beginning um, I think that we were kind of seen as pariahs almost because of what I did for a living and um, so their friends especially like prior to March 2020 when it was kind of fresh and brand new people were like no, you can't hang out with them, you know, just afraid that I was gonna, well, that my kids were gonna bring COVID home to yeah. their families, so um, that was hard, and then uh, the online schooling was super challenging, both of them were just struggling, and so I've actually been homeschooling my older two, it'll be two years this month.
0: I have to applaud you, first of all,
2: yeah.
0: that is dreadful, <laughs> um, what was the decision? How did you come to the decision to get to that point where you were like, I'm going to just homeschool you?
1: You know, the kids were like sitting and staring at a screen for four or five hours a day. And I just, it was obvious that they weren't retaining anything that they weren't engaged. They weren't learning and they weren't enjoying it at all. I feel like education should be fun and something that you want to do, especially as a child. And I just didn't see that happening. So then last year I was like, okay, we'll just dive into this and do this. And it's been really good education wise for them really bad socially. And I don't know how much of that is just being in a pandemic still, or just, yeah, I don't know. This uncertainty of like is
0: this because of the pandemic or what would it, what do you think would it be? What would be the other?
1: I, well, that's the thing that's been really challenging. I feel like with my oldest, we, we've struggled to try to figure out like, is it the pandemic? Is it that he's homeschooled or is it something else where he is having difficulty navigating friendships? And then feeling
0: that anxiety in yourself of not knowing, being unsure of what it could be from and then how to navigate it and and how to support him in his Mm -hmm. his path forward with learning to socialize in
1: some way. He, I have ADHD, he has ADHD, like our brains just function a little bit differently. And um, I really think that the pandemic severely impacted him socially in that aspect and it's been really challenging as more and more things have started opening up for him to like navigate friendship um because he was in fifth grade and I feel like like when the pandemic started and I feel like that was really a turning point for friendships and relationships or it's like he was starting to notice girls and um and now he hasn't been around it and so I think he, he struggles to like know how to interact um, and unfortunately he's at an age where it's like no longer cool or acceptable for me to go up to parents and be like, can we do a play date? <laughs> so I can't navigate it for him. You're caring
0: for a, 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 a toddler and you're caring for all the way up to a teenager. And in that there's so much, uh, like there's such a wide spectrum of how to care for, and um, and you're doing that in such a a, a beautiful way, even though your oldest uh, he's at there's he's at this age where he has to sort of re-figure this out himself. That he already has this foundation from your family unit that gives him the opportunity, and I think that uh, it's there's strength in that. That it's not a, there's not a loss and. And to not, I mean, not once did I hear that, oh yes, you're a bad mom and there's something wrong with your child. Not once in this entire conversation did that come across my mind at all. I think that's just my insecurities.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, shining through. But. Yeah,
0: <laughs> well, and that's, and you know what? Honestly, that is, that's something that we all feel, I think as parents, because um, we care so deeply for our kids. Mom guilt is real. <laughs> no matter what family unit or you're in no matter how much you 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 may see others in their family units and they they may look like they've got it together and maybe kids on the outside seem like oh their life is good and they don't have issues i think that being a teenager in general right now is
1: really really hard i think that's why i worry because it's like it especially in my job, I see people all the time that were provided so many resources in life that um, grew up in stable households that end up homeless, addicted to drugs, things like that. So I definitely consider myself empathic and i it's made my job as an emergency room nurse really challenging at times because I tend to really take on those big emotions that patients are experiencing. Um, I guess this is kind of segueing into that, but I just, I reached a point last year where it was no longer serving me to work where I was working. Um, it was too much mentally. I guess if we want to take it back to the beginning, if that's cool. Um, when I decided to become an emergency room nurse, I was, and I still am passionate about it, but I was really passionate about it. Um, I had worked as a student at the hospital that I got hired at, and I really loved it. Um, And then I really loved it for my first 18 months, I guess, um, before the pandemic, because it was, there was so much variety in what I was seeing and it was great. The learning curve was like a cliff. It was, I mean, it was really hard and challenging, but super fun. And I mean, I did love, um, my coworkers and the job itself up until the very bitter end when I left. But there was also a huge part of me that felt like I needed to move on. It was time to find something better for my mental health. Up until the pandemic started, I saw a lot of things that were really traumatic and emotionally distressing to me. Um, Biggest one was like seeing children die is hard but I was able to compartmentalize it a lot. Um, and then the pandemic happened and I just feel like there was so much anxiety and worry and fear around that, that it just amplified everything else. Um, in the beginning, I remember you texting me actually and saying, Hey, um, I'm just wondering like, what's your perspective on this? And it was, because I really feel like March of 2020 is when everything blew up, even though we had that first patient back in January. Mm -hmm. Um, Up until that point, I didn't see it as like a big deal. It was kind of like, wash your hands, wear a mask, you'll be fine. Um, And that was the advice that I was giving everybody. And I remember the first time that I was scared I was at work and this doctor, who I highly, highly respected, just broke down crying, talking about the news in Italy. Like, I remember Italy was all over the place. They were talking about how many patients were dying and how they were having to, like, determine who got ventilators and all this stuff. And he was scared. He was terrified. And it scared the shit out of me because I was like, I've seen this doctor like in the most difficult situations be so stoic and have looked to him as somebody that I wanted to emulate in terms of like, this is how you handle traumatic patient situations. And to see him break down like that and be really scared and see his vulnerability scared crap out of me the people that you work with in those like really traumatic situations, you almost don't humanize each other, you know, because you're just so focused on the task at hand. Yeah. That you don't see them in this other light. And I was terrified from, from then on it was like, and it like blew up to our everybody. It seemed like probably 80% of the people that were in the department had COVID or were there for COVID-like symptoms, Mm -hmm. people started dying left and right. And that was really scary.
0: So how did you navigate all of
1: that? How did you personally, Really? really poorly? Yeah. Oh yeah. Most of us did. Um, I, I, A lot of my coworkers that never had like anxiety or depression or issues with panic attacks started developing them. And me being well-versed in depression and (laughs) panic was like, I got this, Um, but I didn't, I didn't. And my mental health really suffered. Um, I always felt like I was drowning. Nurses became overwhelmed. We lost a lot of our experienced staff And, um, they kind of just as a hospital system, I think are really shitty at maintaining, um, experienced and skilled nurses. It's all about like, let's hire a bunch of new grads, pay them like the minimum amount that we have to pay them. And it became really scary for me because I was just shy of being a nurse for two years. And often I would because I worked night shift in my little like pod, I would be the most senior nurse there. Yeah. And I'm like, if somebody starts to die, I've got no, it's like, I don't have the veteran nurse that's been doing this for 30 years that can put an IV in anybody with their eyes closed. It felt really unsafe. I felt like my license was on the line all the time. Scary in that way. And then I, I say, to anybody that asks the number one thing that i saw people die from was covid but a very very close second was suicide yeah. very very close second i understand that we've been in a pandemic but we've also been in a mental health pandemic for
2: absolutely yeah
1: because we have we come from
0: this society at least this is my this is my belief system that um we're before the pandemic We began living our lives in such a way um, over, you know, decades that uh, really was all about self, like all about me, all about how I can do X, Y, and Z, and then also externally like seeking self-fulfillment and not necessarily even knowing that it's, you know, coming towards yourself to say, oh, these are the things that, are in me that I know that I can um, lean on in times of distress or looking towards myself of like this is this is me actually suffering and this is me creating my suffering and so we're looking outward to fulfill our life in some way and we're also very self-absorbed and in that self-absorption we have all of the things that keep us distracted and separated from each other in a certain way where now our lives are so dependent on our devices that uh, it's, you can't even make those connections anymore. Really. Definitely. Very, very, very detached. So then, when you put pandemic to to into that situation where we're already detached and we don't even know it, we're we're just like da da da. We're doing our thing. We're you know all the things. Now we're forced to be with each other mm-hmm. in our lives, out and or we're forced to be completely isolated because we are so separate. We've created this separate space for ourselves. I'm just gonna be here, I'm gonna be alone. I I know how to care for myself in the ways that I know how to care for myself, but really there's ways that are so completely disconnected from family and friends. Again, going back to the internet and the, the threads that you have created through the internet that really are not, because we are, social, emotional human beings. Our brains are wired for that. You cannot, you cannot escape it. It is just who we are as humans. And the internet is not a replacement for that. You have to find this person-to-person contact where you sense and feel reciprocity, where you can sense and feel that empathetic connection. And when, again, when you bring pandemic to that, and you ha- don't have the resources because we've lost them. That and you and and we don't even maybe some of us have never had that experience in our life. That uh, it becomes very isolating and very um, hopeless.
1: I agree, and and I feel like you probably feel similarly to me now. than just hearing what you're saying is that. I think I finally reached a point where I was like, there is inherent risk that I have to take for myself, my family, um, my tribe's mental well being. And so we're going to go out into the world. And if we get COVID, so be it. But like, we cannot continue to live this way because we're suffering. And I truly do feel like it's time to move on. I know that sounds like maybe crazy, right? Because people are still dying, but there has to be inherent risk that we take. Like we can't, I'm tired of seeing people kill themselves. And I think that um, the only way to move forward is to stop isolating ourselves.
2: Yeah,
0: it becomes this like desire to feel, feel and feel connection and feel, hope is stronger than the desire to stay stay safe and to to stay in this, whatever, all the things, the overwhelm, the anxiety, the depression, the not knowing, taking the risk to move away from this place that we've lived in for, you know, however many years to start to slowly seek outward. It's like these, this, this um, really beautiful opportunity to turn at least you know what I think you could sense probably in your experience as a nurse and then as your experience as a mom what happens when when we have to come towards ourselves we couldn't travel we couldn't I mean so many restrictions were put in place and then now we're having to like be with ourselves Mm -hmm. and our loved ones and for good or for bad and in that there's like this opportunity to like look in the mirror kind of thing where you get to see oh these are these are the things that i have not been able to deal with or or understand maybe even in myself and then let that build because in order for you to begin the process of getting to to feel better or to feel calm, to feel um, less anxiety, to feel uh, more supported, to feel like you have more connection, to feel like you're growing in a healthful way as a family unit, that you have, you have this like opportunity to start to look at yourselves and then discover what they, what needs support, which it sounds like you're already doing in so many ways with your kids.
1: I feel like uh, at the beginning of this pandemic, it was really the first time in my life that I experienced an existential crisis where I felt so overwhelmed by my purpose in life and trying to understand what the meaning of everything is and really facing my mortality and trying to um, be okay with that, which I have not come to, to, like, a peaceful conclusion on, like, I'm not, I'm still not good with it, but I really feel like the last few months, actually, and specifically the last couple of weeks, which I know it seems like, oh, well, I started a new job, like, almost a year ago, but um, it's taken me a while to, like, get comfortable and settled into it, and um, to feel like myself and to develop new friendships, and it's really been the last couple of weeks that I've been focusing hard on my mental health, and trying to do self-care like a little bit every day and, and you really to like, understand what the hell self-care means. Cause sometimes self-care feels like, okay, I'm going to like drink a bottle of wine. And that feels like self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not,
0: but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Because sometimes it's like, there's so much, there's so much overwhelm and all you want to do is sort of mute it. And, and that's what happens, you know, a bottle of wine is such an invitation to just mute it.
1: I actually have never consumed more alcohol in my life than I have since the beginning of this pandemic. Like I was never really a big drinker. Um, I would have a beer or two occasionally or like on, you know, with friends, special occasions, but I didn't really drink. And then it's... And this is why I, and I know this is kind of personal, but I feel like I can tell you. um, I, the last couple of weeks have really faced like, I think I might actually have a drinking problem now. Like not, I'm not an alcoholic by any means, but um, so I can go without drinking and like not feel withdrawal. But uh, I definitely turned to alcohol a lot throughout the pandemic. Um, when I felt overwhelmed, when I wanted to just quiet my mind, um, having a drink helped. Yeah. And it felt like, yeah, every day I'd be like, okay, I'm just gonna have a drink, and then I'll feel better. And I did. I felt better, more capable of taking on the world. Um, but it's not good for me, and so that's what my focus has been a lot lately on. Okay, I have to find like means of healthy coping mechanisms and. Um, what does that look like and and how do i navigate my day when i'm not working because it's easy to navigate my day when i'm at work it's like yeah so different when you're you know at home how do i navigate my day in a way that um forces me to be present in every moment mm. and so so those are
0: really amazing questions yeah let's see <laughs> yeah i mean it's really thoughtful and there's wow. wisdom in all of that. I don't have answers though. Yeah. I think but you're considering them because it's the answers would be different for everyone. And so your 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 curiosity is the important thing here. And and that and your honesty. All right. Well, I recognize that this is where I came and this is where I'm there. This is where I'm at. And understanding and knowing in yourself that this is actually not probably the healthiest way to do this
1: but it's it's really hard it's that's I mean it's super challenging because it's so easy to turn to what is easy and to what um fixes to to basically what makes it so you don't have to deal with the big heavy shit yep um and so I'm trying to like deal with the big heavy shit and that's fucking hard
0: you have this desire to not be in that place anymore. And you're caring for yourself and you're asking the right questions. And you're listening, like, what is self-care for
1: you? Like, what is that? Are you actually asking? Oh, sure, yeah, tell me, what is it? Um, lately, it's been painting, like acrylic on canvas. has been a big thing I've been doing. Sometimes, I don't know, I just follow the dopamine. So like wherever... I'm getting little hits of dopamine in my brain, whatever little activity I'm doing that's like, I feel good doing this right now. That's where <laughs> my
2: brain. Uh, yes,
0: I love it. The little things that you're paying attention to, the little things that say in this moment, right now I feel good, I'm gonna do this.
1: A couple of days ago, it was making tiny books.
0: Ooh,
1: tiny, like books. little books. <laughs>
0: Do you see what I'm saying? This creative piece of you that just wants to, that is just part of you. I love it so much. And it really is you. You are an amazingly
1: creative woman. Thanks. Bryant says he sees me, um, I'm chaos. You know, like he didn't say that, but I'm telling you, I'm chaos. Like I, I don't have like an organized way of thinking or functioning or doing life. And he says he always sees me as like an artist because that's how artists are. I feel like lately when I'm starting to recognize and, you know, people say it all the time, but like, you really do have to figure out how to care for yourself or you can't really care for other people effectively. And I think that's, what's hard.
0: And learning that too, I think is it's not something that we just know. We don't just know how to care for ourselves you, you also develop that in yourself. Like, how do I care for myself? And then recognizing as you grow that that changes. Mm -hmm. And then as you take on more life's responsibilities, that changes and then developing new ways to care for yourself through the process.
2: Yeah.
0: And so what would be if if you were to like ask yourself, if you would let let's do it. Take it, take a moment to close your eyes. Okay. Okay. And ask your inner Sarah, the Sarah that is uh that is like um your lighthouse, your the Sarah that still has the presence and the wherewithal, this place that maybe. It, maybe it is small within you or maybe there is still a grander sense, but the Sarah that has strength and courage, wisdom, inner knowing, the Sarah that um, can see and sense life as it is, and also can participate in life in such a beautiful, active way. What would that Sarah say? to you,
2: and how to best care for yourself? I mean, really, like, learning to love myself, I
1: think, is what is probably my biggest struggle in life, because I think I'm my own worst enemy. I'm, I inherently, I speak to myself so poorly. I speak about myself so poorly, and I think if I could find some sort of peace with who I am and um, like as a person and physically like the changes that my body has gone through as I've gotten older I used to be like stick thin and now it's like I can't even look at a piece of cake without gaining like 15 pounds so it's like <laughs> just learning to like love the skin I'm in and
2: Okay. Let's, let's do an exercise. Let's do an activity. All right. um,
0: we, we often get stuck. We get trapped in this loop of our minds and that takes over. And then we know we don't feel that we're just walking through sort of bodyless, less. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we feel the heaviness of our mind and the, the constant, um, you know, suffering that our mind wants to keep us in really. And so when you can start to sp- to bring, to bring the two together, where you recognize this, this, that this is me, that I'm here, I exist, I belong, and that, um, it, that this really belongs to me, that I am this, and this is, this is an important thing to recognize. And then when you sense and feel it, there begins this new sort of connection, this new like brain-body connection and then you can grow from there. You can grow the trust. You can start to build on the, like, the places that you're already asking the right questions. Like, how do I care for myself? What is self-care? How can I slowly take steps away from drinking in my daily life? Yeah. And 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 that is just to recognize that you are here, that you exist in this moment. And that is all it is. That. There, there is this moment, and that I am here in this moment, and this is my body, and it belongs to me. And we'll do a breath practice. So hopefully, that your mind cannot be as active and a part of it. What? How does that feel? How does that sound? Good. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, sometimes, in order to feel safety in this practice, because oftentimes, especially women. Being women, we have lived trauma in our in our cellular structure. And a lot of times feeling our areas of ourselves can feel unaccessible. And so uh, a way to help with that is to create a boundary. So to imagine, to imagine that you're in like there's a circle around you and that uh that is, these are my boundaries. you're not welcome in unless you're invited in so that you feel like okay i'm safe i'm protected i can do this i can sense
1: myself are you seeing it's weird that you're saying that right now are you seeing something that i haven't said
0: um like
1: you're like uh
0: as far as like intuitively or clairvoyantly yeah I can only sense it in your, how you're presenting
1: yourself. That's all. It's really interesting that you've said what you just said, because I don't feel, um, I've been dealing with a lot of, um, childhood trauma recently. Hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe, do you say that to everybody about safety, feeling safe? Okay.
0: No. And it's important, I think, to recognize that, yeah, in case there is, which, yeah, if it's present, if you feel that, because it's lived in us, that which we are unable at the moment, uh, the time of our trauma, because we're a child, we're not, we're only able to do what's the wisest part of us. do which is protect ourselves and in that protection we carry that with us the rest of our life until we can say this no longer serves me this way of living in my body is no longer present the the active activation of the trauma is no longer present it's not happening to me right now and the way that i have carried myself and the way that i have protected myself also is no longer serving me And then in that, you get to slowly approach yourself again. So let's do our breath practice. And so the breath practice is gonna be, um, first we'll do a cooling breath practice, which is you'll, can you curl your tongue? So you'll inhale through a curled tongue. So it'll be silly and then close your mouth <laughs> hold your breath, <laughs> and feel the, you'll feel the, te- the temperature change on your tongue. So it'll be cool on the tongue. You'll close your mouth, hold your breath, just until you can sense the temperature start to change. And then you'll exhale through your nose. Okay, and we'll do that. Let's do it five times. And then we'll do a different breath where you'll inhale through your nose and then exhale slowly and actually maybe we'll do the exhale um, as a ha sound so we'll do we'll do inhale and then exhale okay okay all right so we'll do it together okay take a take a breath that feels like you can just whatever cleansing breath and take an inhale and exhale and then inhale through your curled tongue As you come to the end of your inhale, close your mouth and then hold your breath, sense the the temperature change and then exhale through your
2: nose. And then we'll repeat and then we'll inhale. Close the mouth, sense the temperature and then exhale. And then inhale when you're ready. Close, hold the breath, notice, and then slowly exhale through your nose. And then we'll do it again. Inhale. Close the mouth, pause the breath, notice the change of temperature, and then you'll slowly exhale through your nose. last time, pause and hold, sense the temperature, and exhale slowly, yeah, what did you, what were your, what, what did you notice, how do you feel, what did you sense? It's interesting it's
1: like it just an interesting sensation. Felt like my mind was quiet, which that doesn't happen
0: often. Yeah, so it cools. So I, I call it a cooling breath, because first you can sense the coolness, but it's supposed to cool the mind.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of science behind that, which I won't go into right now. But it's really, it's pretty amazing what our breath just the attention to a breath can do for our mind and our nervous system. So the next breath will be inhale through your nose and you'll just, you'll inhale not to like the top to strain but just a natural breath in that feels nourishing for you. And then exhale with the mouth open to make that like ocean sound, the H-A sound. And then, so that lengthens the breath. So you'll exhale slowly and then inhale again. And then we'll do, we'll do that five times.
2: Okay, so take a reset breath. And then inhale through your nose. And then exhale. And then inhale. And exhale. And then inhale just to what feels like a nice full breath. And then exhale slowly. And again, just inhale as you're ready. And then slow the exhale. Last time. When you're ready, and slow the exhale. Thank you, Sarah Simons, for being here and sharing
0: your vulnerability, your story, and your experiences with us. What we have received from you is care and tenderness, is sorrow and grief. And from that, beyond that, we can see the places that are still vibrant and alive within your life that might be getting overlooked. That we so often do when we sense the dynamic and present pain points of our life. That the things that are going right, the things that we are inspired to do in spite of and the way we care for ourselves and the others in our life still shine through, still show up. And to not lose sight of the small moments of, like you said, the dopamine hits. To take the... The slightest of stroke to care for yourself in the way that you know how. I am grateful that you were able to join us and I hope that you can join us for our next episode. Well, we will share in similar stories and life experiences with another guest speaker and he is a hip-hop artist He's a spiritual entrepreneur and on a mission to help and heal others as well. His name is Jay Brave, and there's so much that he will share with us on our next episode together with myself, Crystal Connolly, in Healing Within Reach. Please know that you can always find me beyond the podcast on Instagram at MoveWithCrystal. And through my website, you can find workshops and upcoming events and services that I offer at movewithcrystal.com. And until next time, with so much love and connection, I'll see you on the next
2: episode.